All right, I've got a couple more minutes with Michael Gates, and we have got to talk about some of the personalities here because, you know, again, I grew up in a small town. Every small town has their Windy Far, the local hoarder slash kleptomaniac. And Klondike, Dawson City, was no exception. And But some of the people we're going to talk about went on to be cultural icons in some way and, and Hollywood notables that... I mean, this just kind of defied logic in some ways, given how far and remote Dawson City was. Uh, but one of the first ones that I want to talk about is doesn't have to do with any of those, but it's a guy named Tex Rickard, who was a gambler. And, you know, he found, I think, two claims. He ended up flipping and getting a lot of money early on. Uh, but he, you know, he lost a lot of money gambling, had quite a wild ride. But the important note here is he became one of the biggest boxing promoters of the 20th century and founded the New York Rangers hockey team and helped oversee the rebuild of Madison Square Garden. Uh, I mean, that's quite a long reach from Dawson City. Yes, and it's it's interesting. Uh, he, he took the proceeds from selling his claims on Bonanza Creek mm-hmm invested it in the Northern, uh, which was one of the popular drinking places on Front Street. Right. And he lost it in the card game. <laughs> Ended up as a bartender. <laughs> I mean, that's a wild... You hear this stuff in, in Vegas now. I mean, this is not oh, unique yeah. to our time. This yeah. was, People were very loose with their money with the gold nuggets. I think because it was so plentiful that people thought it would last forever. I mean, the stories... And, and it didn't. No. It didn't. No, it, it did not. Uh, but one person's legacy who did kind of last forever was Jack London. You know, uh, Call of the Wild, uh, you know, one of his one of his favorite book, uh, famous books. Th- he's an interesting story because he wasn't in Klondike very long. He was there, uh, but he got scurvy. He ended up being, I think, paralyzed from, from the waist down. You know, but he, you know, wrote lots of stories about his time there and corresponded with people, got lots of ideas, you know, but, you know, he was there in 1897, left in 1898, only there a year, but had quite an impression on him. Well, he he never got to see his film, his book mm-hmm. called The Wild turned into a film. But uh, since his death, they've uh, I think they've done it more than a dozen times. Yeah, absolutely. Mo- most recent one was with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Unless they've made one since then. I think that's right. I think that's right. But yeah, lots yeah. of connection. Lots of his stuff was turned into movies uh, and another big connection there. Uh, this is, you know, this is kind of an interesting guy. You know, you mentioned no relation. You have no relation to uh, Microsoft Bill Gates or Swiftwater Bill Gates. Now, this guy was a heck of a character. He came there, uh, came to the Klondike with nothing, staked lucky num- claim number 13, and eventually hit pay dirt and became a celebrity overnight and had quite a wild ride in the Klondike. That's correct. And uh, it's interesting to note that uh, he went on to Nome and he did well there. Mm -hmm. And from Nome, he went to Fairbanks and he did well there. He he just couldn't, but he, he, he wasn't as successful in uh, the area of romance. And uh, no, he, (laughs) at one point he was a bigamist. Uh, At one point he married one of his wives a second time. And, uh, uh, you know, his outrageous uh, affairs with all these women uh, uh, really made him a celebrity of sorts. And, and one of the stories, the one about Gussie Lamour. Yes. Uh, and she uh, she was still a teenager and he had the hots for her. Mm-hmm. And this was in the very earliest days of the uh, uh, the strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, he 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 saw her stepping out with somebody else. 
and uh, he was gravely offended by this. <laughs> and he knew that her favorite food was uh, eggs. <laughs> so he went around Dawson and he bought up every egg in town. <laughs> and, and he said, if you, if, if you want to have eggs, you got to come back. You know where to get them. Yeah. And she, and she did. <laughs> uh, and there, there are variations on the story. Some say that, uh, you know, he fried them up and threw them out the window to a pack of hungry, go hungry dogs. Yeah. We don't know exactly what, what happened there, but uh, uh, she was interviewed some years later and she, yeah, she uh, acknowledged that, yes, yeah, <laughs> that she happened. did come back. Well, he was, he was great. I mean, he was, he had a lot of flash and flair, you know, for my pro wrestling fans out there, he was the Ric Flair of the Klondike in some ways. Well, there was, there was something else. Uh, he, he liked Gussie, but she was already married. He couldn't marry her. So he married her sister. Yeah, right. And that only lasted a few weeks, by which time. He bought uh, his his wife a mansion in uh, San Francisco, mm -hmm. and uh, they very quickly divorced. And uh, some some time later, he ended up running off with a third sister. <laughs> so the the Lamore sisters got quite a ride with Swiftwater. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he. I mean, he was. You know, he wore a diamond on his shirt, had a huge ring, handed out gold nuggets as tips. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a story where he borrowed 20000 from a guy named Dr. Wolf. You know, this is years before the Pulp Fiction, you know, the, the wolf became so popular. You know, I mean, he he was he was wild. Uh, you know, he he was married. He eventually I think this has a tragic ending. But, you know, the, the only way this ride can end, he went to look for gold in Peru and was murdered in 1937. So, you know, that wildlife, you know, had heck of a heck of an ending point. Yes. And Dr. Wolf. Uh, um before uh, Swiftwater was murdered many years later, Dr. Wolf uh, was to accompany him to the Klondike, mm -hmm. where this $20,000 was to be invested in the Monte Carlo. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, as soon as he had his hands on the money, he started spending it like crazy. Right. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Wine, wine, women, and songs. Sure. And uh, it, was, it was quite a, a journey back to the Klondike for Swiftwater Bill. And uh, when, when he arrived in Dawson, he was sitting in his uh, top hat and his uh, fancy suit mm -hmm. with uh, the tie pin with the big diamond stud in it and uh, <laughs> all these dance hall girls behind him. Yeah. And there's Dr. Dr. Wolf standing on the shore waiting for his $20,000. And he gave him an ultimatum. He said, I want my money and I want it now. And within a few hours, Swiftwater Bill had come up with the $20,000. Unbelievable. And he may he may be the only one, the only person who ever got his money back from Swiftwater Bill. <laughs> and who knows and, where he got it. And I I think that Swiftwater Bill might have had to sell his share of the Monte Carlo to raise the money. Oh, that makes be sense. Because he, he was no uh, by the beginning of August, he was no no longer involved. Suddenly in not Carlo. involved, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was what what a wild story. Uh, another one, you know, another famous author is is Robert Service, who was a bank clerk. You know, he loved stories. He put together a book that was a self-published book called Songs of the Sourdough. And this is the first time where, through context clues, I realized that people in the Klondike were either called sourdoughs or they really liked sourdough, because that name comes up a lot. So explain, if you don't mind explaining that part first, and then how Robert Service got involved here. Okay, well, there are two categories, sourdoughs and chichacos. Okay. A sourdough is somebody who has been in the north long enough to see the Yukon River freeze in the fall, and was still there to see it break up in the spring. Okay. In other words, somebody somebody who'd, 
who'd been around the block. Mm-hmm. At least uh, once. Chichacos are the newcomers, uh, you know, uh, greenhorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were other terms that Rubes, are noobs, popular elsewhere. Dudes. All of that. Yep. That's right. But they were the newcomers. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, you didn't you didn't earn your spurs as a uh, sourdough until you'd been there through the winter and seen the breakup in the spring. Got it. Okay, fair enough. And so, and Robert Service, so he writes songs of the sourdough, and he becomes the best-selling poet of the 20th century. And, you know, uh, what's interesting, he's got a kind of a cool story of discovery, one that you hear very rarely, you know, uh, although people love to chase stories like this, where he, t- he was going to self-publish his book. He sends it off to the printer to get printed, to hand out to his friends as gifts. And instead of getting his books back... He instead gets a contract for them to produce and distribute his book, and he got you know gets a gets his a royalty on that. That's a that's a story. That's a real story. That's right. That's right. And within uh, a few years, he uh, he was making uh, you know, five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, that was much more than the boss at the bank where he worked. They'd offered him the job as manager of the bank in Whitehorse. He turned it down. He left the bank. And he moved into a small cabin up on 7th Avenue. Yep. And there he he composed another a couple of books of verse. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the novel, The Trail of 98, which became a bestseller, oh, my dad. Yes. And later turned into a film. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where we're headed. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the irony is that uh, it was uh, premiered in Los Angeles. Now, this is the one that they the wanted theater. to film in the Klondike, but didn't and upset everyone. And then it premieres, uh, where does it premiere? In uh, 1927. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ironically, it appeared in a theater that was owned by a fellow who was a paper boy in Dawson City, yep. Sid Grauman. Absolutely. And you've, you're familiar with Sid Grauman's Chinese theater. And the Egyptian. Uh, world famous. Mm-hmm. And the Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, uh, always put on a, a, a big, spectacular live performance before he premiered these films. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did with the Robert Service film. And tragically, uh, uh, after its run in his theater, they closed the theater down so that they could convert it to talkies. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of the end of uh, The Trail of 98. Mm-hmm. But Robert Service, Robert Service did... Uh, actually have one more connection to Hollywood during World War II. Well, one, one quick he thing here. One, one thing I want to mention yes. is, as you mentioned, yes. The Trail of 98 premiered. It was literally the last film of the silent era because it was, I just want to put a point on that. After that, Sid Grauman refitted the Chinese theater, the world famous Chinese theater for, for talkies. talkies. Yeah. So that was, it was literally the end of an era. That's correct. And uh, during the war, he was invited to uh, do a cameo appearance in a film starring uh, Marlena Dietrich, mm-hmm. and uh, he—it uh, was a, a, a Rex Beach uh, adaptation of his book, *The Spoilers*. Okay, and I, th- I think he said about twenty-seven words. And uh, actually, I can—I uh, think I have it bookmarked here. If you like, sure. I can tell. Okay, Marlene Marlena Dietrich is Sherry Malott. Okay. Cherry, hello, Mr. Service. Writing a poem about me? Service, not this time, Cherry. It's about a lady known as Lou. Cherry, is there a man in her life? Service, yes, he's called Dan McGrew. He's a bad actor. He gets shot. Cherry, sounds exciting. The shooting of Dan McGrew. 
And that was uh, Robert Service's <laughs> entire film career. <laughs> That's great. I mean, that happens that to a lot, of, he, a lot of people that get that little cameo, you know, a couple lines. And he didn't even get a credit in the film. He just <laughs> appeared there at the beginning, and that was it. That was that was. And a, apparently, apparently, he he worked for hours going over his lines to make sure he got it right. <laughs> These pretzels are making me thirsty. Like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and his delivery was so wooden that uh, <laughs> uh, it didn't lead to a successful career in Hollywood. <laughs> That's so sad. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, I've been there, you know, painstakingly going over how you're going to deliver something. Uh, never quite goes off as planned. Yeah, but Sid Grauman, he spent time in the Klondike. What a great segue. That's right. You know, uh, we're going to chain a couple of these together because he's involved. You know, he's a paper boy up there. He ends up discovering later on Fatty Arbuckle uh, as a singing waiter who will talk about in a second. Um, but, you know, he was up there. He you know, there's this famous story where he's selling newspapers and Wilson Misner comes up. And let's tell that story because this is a this is how when when gold ran out of the hills, this is how what they say is you mine the miners. This is a perfect way to do that. <laughs> well, I can't remember the price, precise amount, but uh, Misner uh, uh, approached Grauman. Mm -hmm having learned that he just received a shipment of newspapers from outside. And he bought one and he said, uh, I want you to hold off selling your newspapers mm -hmm. for a short period of time. He rented a theater and he charged admission. Everybody came in, paid big bucks to, to hear him reading the articles from the newspaper. Right. <laughs> That's so fantastic. But Grauman sold them all. I think he made $3,500, which in those days was a lot of money. That is a he, lot. <laughs> yeah, he did, did really well. But I, I think uh, people like uh, him and Pantages and, and others, the lessons they learned uh, in, inspired them, uh, uh, helped them to see the potential in this new industry, the, the film industry. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Pantages went on to build uh, the eponymous, uh, if I'm saying that word correctly, uh, the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles. There is a the Pantages Theater uh, there. You know, Misner went on. He was, be, you know, was kind of, a, I think you kind of describe him as a lazy screenwriter. You know, he, he was involved. Right. Uh, there's a person named Victor Jory who has a Klondecker. They have a, a Hollywood Walk of Fame star, which I'll hopefully get a picture of uh, a supplemental material for this episode. And, you know, Francis Desmond Taylor is another great story. You know, there's there's not a lot to this, but, you know, I'm sure that there's more than I'm going to say. But he directed hundreds of films. He was from the Klondike and, you know, he was mysteriously murdered. And what's interesting is in the, the documentary that I mentioned, they hold up and I'm sure you saw this. They have a, a, a page uh, from I think it was the Dawson Daily News, which describes the murder of Fr uh, Francis Desmond Taylor that going on and on that same page on that same front page there's a the, how fatty arbuckle was on trial for rape and murder at the same time so two klondikers are making big you know hollywood national news on the same newspaper well uh, it's funny how one name leads to another leads to another mm -hmm. so fatty arbuckle mm -hmm. came to the klondike with a the theater troupe in 1906 and they, they had done performances as they came up the coast, Sitka, Juneau. Uh, I don't know if they did one in Skagway. They might have. Then they came downriver to Dawson City, and that's where, to coin a phrase, the wheels fell off the bus. Yeah. And the, uh, the theater troupe went bust, and they all had to make their way back to Los Angeles. Yep. And uh, he went on to uh, a stellar career after having performed in the Auditorium Theater, now known as the Palace Brand. Yes. So that's one connection. Mm -hmm. Now, the other connection is that uh, 
the uh, the premier uh, uh, figure in that theater troupe was uh, Marjorie Rambo, mm-hmm. and Marjorie uh, was a child prodigy. She was only a teenager, but she was destined to uh, a stellar career in Hollywood. And uh, when the wheels fell off the bus, she and her mother were stuck in Dawson over the winter. Mm-hmm. And she, they survived by uh, putting on uh, amateur theater performances mm-hmm. with the, the local theatrical society and uh, giving elocution lessons. Mm-hmm. Right. And she left, left in the spring, went on to a career on stage and on screen. She was twice nominated for Oscars. And she performed uh, with the likes of Ronald Reagan, uh, John Wayne, Clark Gable, uh, Myrna Loy. Um, Spencer Tracy, I got Spencer Tracy, Spencer Tracy, Gene Harlow, Clark Gable, Tag- Tagney, Tagney. Mm-hmm. lots of. So th- this is top echelon names. Mm-hmm. She was she was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And she also has a star on the Walk of Fame. Hopefully, I'll. I don't like going down to the Walk of Fame. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm going to try to get these <laughs> these pictures for for this episode. Yeah, connection to Fatty Arbuckle, and I have one more uh, one more I want to get to. Uh, this is not a connection to Hollywood, but it's I love characters. And this dude really was one. And that's Apple Jimmy Oglo, who had a fruit stand, fruit and candy stand in front of the Orpheum for for decades. Uh, this was you know, this is a crazy guy. So tell me a little bit about him and how he got the nickname Apple Jimmy. Well, like just like Grauman, he, he had secured a shipment of apples mm-hmm. during the gold rush. And when they arrived, uh, he cornered the market on apples and everybody <laughs> right. was desperate for apples. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so he did quite well from that. And it was forever after known as Apple Jimmy and the basket he used to sell the apples. He, he put an inscription on the front, you know, the first basket of apples in the Klondike. And um, <laughs> he kept that as, as, as a souvenir That's that cool. uh, he proudly displayed for the rest of his life. Is that in the museum, by the way, you guys still have that? Uh, I don't know where that is. Ugh. I honestly couldn't say. The building burned down, oh. and it might have gone up in flames. Yeah. I'm not sure. Or it's buried somewhere. We'll just have to keep digging. Possibly. Yeah, don't know. May find it somewhere. Maybe. But uh, he uh, he almost had a brush with stardom mm-hmm. because uh, in the 1930s, a uh, couple of uh, popular uh, figures uh, arrived in town. They flew in, uh, Wiley Post and Will Rogers. Mm-hmm. And Will Rogers was rather taken by Apple Jimmy and... Uh, he said, you know, son, you, well, you wouldn't say son. Apple Jimmy was getting on in years by then. Right. He said, sir, come to Hollywood. I think there's a place for you in Hollywood. And uh, they, he, I think uh, he was serious about that. And they, they flew off. And a few la- days later, uh, he and Post were killed when they were uh, 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 near uh, Barrow, Alaska. Yeah. The northernmost so, tip of, uh, yeah. Of, yeah. His, his brush, uh, so Apple Jimmy's brush of fame never came about. Uh, it's, I mean, it's that is the worst story because you're so close and something completely outside of your your uh, your control, you know, kind of dashes yeah, all of it. And you know, I think he, you know, he also in 1939, you know, building next door to the Orpheum burned down. He was going to retire. And he doesn't. And then the next year, a fire burns down the Orpheum to the ground where his stand is and everything he had was destroyed. So I, what right. a tragic ending 
to to a yeah. guy who had such a such a, a fun life. Uh, but th- you know, this these are just a few of the characters. There are many more, uh, but it, it, just a wonderful, colorful world that Klondike was. So thank you for taking a little extra time to talk to me about some of these crazy characters that occupied you know the, the Canadian Canadian frontier. And for the uh, the sake of your viewers, I'll I'll just <laughs> say, pitch it one more time: Do Hollywood it. and the Klondike. Uh, all these stories are in there and more. Absolutely. Great book. Pick it up. Uh, I'll have links on the website. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for this extra time. Daniel, it's a pleasure.